2: Uh, obviously, I'm dragging ass a little bit here today. Got in about 2 a.m. last night from five days in Vegas, and we all know how that can go. Got signed up for all the contests, got to catch up with some people. Uh, got to do a Sin spot and studio. So uh, good times to be had out there in Sin City. And if you are heading out there for the Super Contest, Circa Million, Golden Nugget, anything like that, Vegas, uh, Vegas Maddie, excuse me, Maddie and Tony, over at footballcontest.com, our preferred proxy service here, on Bang the Book Radio. They've been very good to us over the last few years. I'm sure they'll be very good for you as well. So if you live outside of Nevada, you can still sign up for the contests. However, you do need a proxy to put in your picks for you. So we trust Maddie and Tony over at footballcontest.com, and you should as well. As you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB, and the number 200 is that promo code 100% deposit match bonus for the Sportsbook. deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Hopefully, I sound a little bit different today. Hopefully, I sound a little bit better today after doing the show on my phone the last three days. Keep in mind that the blog talk radio recording that goes to iTunes, usually uncut. If the volume is really bad, I'll make an edit. But the segments over on our speaker page that also go to Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, as well as a separate iTunes channel, those are edited for volume and anything else that goes on here on the program. So keep that in mind in terms of the audio quality. The segment's usually better because I have to cut them anyway, so I just do some audio editing and things of that sort. All right, let's go ahead and bring on today's one and only guest, professional handicapper Brad Powers from BradPowersSports.com. Brad, how's it going today, man? What's going well? How are you doing on a fine Thursday? I'm tired man it was uh it was a lot out there in Vegas it also record high yesterday of hundred and ten, so you know it was usually I usually go out there in July, but it felt like July out there this past week yeah i mean
1: I'm used to this point now that I've been here three plus years but uh yeah i mean it's it's vegas baby i mean it can you can get that even in this i I remember going to a UNLV game a couple of years ago. this is like october twenty first and it was one of those afternoon start times, and the high was 90. And that was October, uh, October like the 22nd, a couple of years ago. It wasn't bad. I mean, the, the, I'd prefer 90 over, you know, 25 and wind blowing
2: and snow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, <laughs> my wife leaves for work this morning. It's 59 degrees, and she's like, well, I need a sweater. So, you know, I guess uh, I guess we got some getting used to it around here. And, you know, fortunately for you, Uh, it'll stay nice for a while not that you get out a whole lot here at this time of the year we've got 16 NFL preseason games tonight and then all the college football stuff going on we'll start real quickly with the NFL preseason because I mean look obviously you're betting on backups third string fourth string types of guys here playing in week four any angles anything you're considering for this final round of preseason matchups
1: well, I mean, this is a trend that, that a couple guys uh, on the Straight Out of Vegas radio show that I do daily, and, and we kind of uncovered this this preseason. So I'm going to give you a, at least uh, you know stuff that you probably wouldn't want to buck. And, and right now, this trend so far is 14-1-1 against the spread. And what we did is we took a look at uh, the, the the coaches that value the preseason, and, and there, there's four of them that have been traditionally very good in preseason. Obviously, John Harbaugh, at Baltimore. Carroll at Seattle, Mike Zimmer uh, at Minnesota is one of them, and also John Gruden at Oakland. So, uh, And then there's two guys that, that just obviously have, don't value the preseason, Dan Quinn at Atlanta, Jason Garrett at, at Dallas. And if you blindly play on the four coaches that value the preseason and you blindly bet against those two coaches, Dan Quinn and Jason Garrett, against those guys because they don't value the preseason, you are 14-1-1 one one against the number, So I can tell you what I wouldn't want a buck tonight, and that would be I wouldn't go against Baltimore. Uh, I mean, I know they're laying a big number on the road week four preseason, but I certainly don't want anything to do with Washington. Uh, I, I'm not betting on Atlanta plus four against Jacksonville, I can tell you that. Uh, Dallas, I, I know the big money's come in on the Cowboys. I know the Cowboys looked good last week. But I'm, I'm certainly not going to lay five points in a preseason game with Jason Garrett. And looking at, at a couple of the other matchups, Oakland and Seattle pretty much cancel each other out. And, you know, I'll tell you this, Dan Quinn, you know, is a guy that, that uh, obviously – or not Dan Quinn, but, but when it comes to Mike Zimmer, I mean, he's – it's just not been this season, but it's been multiple seasons where he's valued the preseason. I mean, that looks pretty good to me. I know Buffalo's been pretty impressive so far but uh, Kyle Slaughter I mean if we had um, you know if we had a Hall of Fame for preseason quarterbacks uh, I mean this guy is about as good as it gets so right now my favorite one would probably be Minnesota minus two and a half at
2: Buffalo tonight. These aren't ATS numbers these are straight up numbers that I'm about to give you here Sean Payton 2 and 11 in week 4 the New Orleans Saints head coach he obviously doesn't care too much about week 4 and I mean, it makes sense. It's not like Drew Brees ever sees the field in that situation. Gruden seven and one in week four. That's a very strong number. Bill Belichick eight and eleven. Andy Reid nine and eleven. Uh, you've got Jason Garrett two and five in week four, so he doesn't seem to care too much about that final preseason game, or really the preseason overall, as you mentioned. Mike Zimmer, how about this? Seventeen and two straight up the first three weeks. Three and two in week four. So Ooh. a little bit more of a. Uh, I mean, fifty-fifty proposition straight up there, at least in week four. But seventeen and two, the first three weeks of the preseason. So again, I imagine we'll see these trends continue in next year's exhibition games. But before we step away from the NFL, Brad, I, I do want to ask you this: Is there any carryover at all whatsoever from the preseason to week one of the NFL season? No, it's, it's like two. It's
1: like handicapping two different sports. I, I'm Nothing really. I think he used to be able to take a little bit because starters used to play a little bit more, Adam, in the preseason. So, I, I mean, if you rolled your starters out and they played, you know, a quarter in week one, you know, maybe a quarter and a half week two, the first half in week three, I mean, if you had like four quarters of data with your starters playing it and they looked like crap or, or vice versa, they looked really good. I, maybe that could influence week one, a half point or so, but, the fact that a lot of these starters aren't playing anywhere near what they were in the past 10, 15, 20 years, uh, I get nothing from that. Other than, other than key injuries, cluster injuries, I'm not caring really over anything.
2: All right. So we transition over to the college football side here, and this is where we'll stay for the rest of the show. A lot of games I'd like to get to here with Brad, because unfortunately, you know, we didn't talk a whole lot of Saturday games early on in the week with our first three guests. So we'll tackle a lot of those today, plus Sunday and Monday, uh, take a look at the, the Thursday and Friday slates as well real quickly. But before we do that, Brad, any last-minute updates, any power rings adjustments, any position battle announcements that have caused a ripple effect in your numbers?
1: Well, I'll give you one from yesterday. I think it's significant and involves what, the team that I had number one in my power rings, that being the, the Crimson Tide of Alabama. I think uh, when you look at Moses, the middle linebacker, I can make a strong case. That's their second most important player on the team, obviously two of being first. I mean, I get it. Jerry Judy, the All-American wide receiver, won the Blitnikoff Award for the nation's best wide receiver a year ago. I get it. He's tremendous. But the reality is there's three other really good wide receivers on Alabama, so his value in a point spread might be only a half point or so. But when it comes to Moses, I mean, he's basically the quarterback of the defense. Leading tackler a year ago, he's the, the alpha. If you read the articles – and all the preseason workouts and whatnot. I mean, the the team leader on that side of the ball, uh, a guy that, uh, you know, immensely talented preseason first team, all American. Uh, I think he was in the top 15 on Mel Kuyper's draft board (laughs) for next year and and Alabama loses him. He's most likely out for the season. And Oh yeah, it's already at a position where Alabama's lost two guys, including another projected starter in Joshua McMillan earlier this year. So, now the Crimson Tide, I, I, I know, I, you're not going to hear any woe is me or feel any sympathy from, from Alabama, but it looks like by all intents and purposes they're going to start two true freshmen at linebacker in the middle of the defense. Uh, I don't think that's ideal, and I dropped Alabama about a point, point and a half yesterday, and now for the first time in four years I have someone other than Alabama power rated number one in my power ratings right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't made any adjustment yet. I had Clemson a point better than Alabama in my power ratings. And, you know, I mean, also for Alabama here this weekend, and we we may touch a little bit on this Duke and Alabama game, uh, obviously taking some of the steam out of that with uh, the Dylan Moses thing, but also Najee Harris suspended for the first half. Brian Robinson suspended for the first half. This is a thing. This will be a thing here going into Saturday. Somebody's going to get screwed over on a play that they've made because there's a suspension announcement right before the game going (laughs) to happen. I'm I'm surprised there weren't more of them for Florida and Miami last week, but this will be a thing. And and that's not to say that you want to sit there and wait on these numbers until Saturday because the market is moving a little bit, but just keep in mind and be cognizant of the fact that someone of consequence will be suspended in at least one of these games somewhere.
1: Yeah, and
2: there there was rumors last week on uh, you know the Florida
1: side that, that there might be some possible suspensions. We didn't get much on Miami until right before the, the kickoff of that game. But you're exactly right. Now, th- does that you know make you you know freeze up and, and make you scared on betting anything? No, I mean I I've been betting week one all summer long, so I, I'm very happy with my current portfolio. But with that being said, it is week one and you know you got to be very confident in your power rings but let's be honest I, I think even a lot of head coaches aren't 100% sure what they're going to see when they roll out their 18 19 year old kids here and, and a lot of their their first game experiences at the big time level here so uh there's certainly when it comes to week 1 a lot more uncertainty not only with suspensions but just overall performances of teams and that's why and i know we'll get into this next week but You know, don't be afraid this time of year to be much more aggressive in your power ratings adjustments.
2: All right, so I believe we touched on a handful of Thursday games last week. I know we've got a dinner bet on where UCLA and Cincinnati winds up going here with this number. It's two and a half extra juice, some places offshore down to two, some places sitting three. This one's kind of bouncing all over the place. Should be a very good game tonight and uh, certainly one that will tell us a lot about both of those teams. Utah BYU. This number went all the way up to seven at six, six and a half now, kind of hovering around there. Anything you want to add for tonight's card before we take a look at Friday?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I and you know, I'm in the giving mode. I mean, it's college football. It, it's night one, so I, you know, one play that I added to my VIP customers yesterday. Uh, I, you know, I like the over in Texas A&M, Texas State, uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, personnel wise. I, 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 like, I like, you know, when it comes to Texas A&M, I, I think they're going to be more of a passing team than what they were a year ago, and it just makes sense because a lot of their top wide receivers are back, Kellen Mond's back, and they're going to have to work on that issue, and then they lose a, a key running back in Traviatt Williams. So I look for Texas A&M to pass a little bit more this year. On the opposite side, schematically, Texas State's moving more up-tempo. Uh, the new head coach, Jake Spavadol, uh, Sp- Spavadol, and uh, Bob Stitt, the new offensive coordinator, uh, is known as a tempo guy. So that, that makes sense in that regard. And then uh, I, I thought this was a really good trend. If you're, you know, looking to bet, you know, totals when it comes to weather, I think a lot of people don't, you know, take this under consideration. Obviously everyone likes to look at rain and, and, and snow and particularly wind, but believe it or not, when, when it comes to, to the temperature, game time temperature, in a in a specific game uh, if you're betting on heat and this one's going to be hot tonight kickoff temperature is going to be near 90 it's actually a positive for the over and it makes sense defensive players get a little tired they're more prone to giving up the big play and I'll just throw this out there you know just look at kicking a football when it's 85 degrees outside and when it's you know 35 degrees outside and whether or not that football travels farther I think it's easier for, for field goal kickers to make stuff. So add
2: all that up and, and I like the overnight
1: Texas state, Texas A&M.
2: All right. So we move on to Friday here and I didn't really uh, have this game on the docket originally, but I do want to mention it here because this is a line move. It's kind of a head scratcher. I don't see any injuries or or significant suspensions really uh, for Wisconsin here, but this number went from ten and a half or so offshore over the summer to 13 Now all of a sudden it's back down to ten with the Badgers in Tampa to take on South Florida, and I I don't really get this one. It's moving away from my number and also moving away from your number, which is a red flag. Not that my numbers are great, but yours are. So what's going on here?
1: Yeah, I mean it's a little surprising because I mean a very respected betting syndicate a few weeks ago gave out Wisconsin uh, right around minus ten and a half, and that being right angle, I, I I. can comfortably say, you know, say that because they gave it out on Twitter and moved the line a couple points that day. I mean, the only thing I can think of, and again, I won't do this during the course of the season, but when it comes to week one, I know a lot of these newsletters and whatnot and services are given a lot of their, you know, the freebie issues to start off the season. But the only thing I could think of, you know, the, the place where I worked at uh, and just being on the inside there, I mean, they'd mail out 30, 40,000 copies of their PowerSweep newsletter. I mean, the, 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 one of their top plays uh, is South Florida. And I think those people now getting that in their hands, I mean, whether or not that they, they move markets throughout the course of the season, you know, might be a little questionable, but there's no question, in my opinion, a guy that has a lot of major influence on the market, at least in the summer betting months and maybe even specifically in week one is Phil Steele and the North coast sports crew. So that might be a reason. I mean, they're they're very high on South Florida, so maybe that's it. But we can never know 100% for sure. Here's what I do know. Uh, if it gets down to 10, Adam Burke, I'll post a ticket. I'll bet I'll be on the Badgers here.
2: Yeah, I mean, my number is 16. So I, I was happy with the move up over the summer. Now with the move down, I mean, I'm going to have to play Wisconsin too. And there are some 10s out there. in the the offshore market for our listeners of the show that, you know, aren't anywhere with a brick and mortar. And if you do have the brick and mortars and if you're lucky enough to be in a state with apps, obviously shop around for the best price. See if you can find a 10 here. I don't see nine and a half at all, but 10 looks like the stopping point here. So if you get one, definitely make sure you take advantage of it. But brand in general, here, as we look at Friday, wake forest taking money against Utah state up from three and a half to four and a half and even a stray five out there. That's the smallest number on the board
0: Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
2: Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell.
2: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 10 or higher, including Rutgers laying 15 and a half, uh, Michigan State taking money up into the low tw- up into the low to mid twenties. Army's a three touchdown favorite with their option attack. <laughs> some some pretty big numbers here on Friday.
1: Big numbers overall, uh, I think this week. And I did this about a week ago, so maybe a game or two has changed. But I think out of the forty three games, and that's just FBS versus FBS. Obviously, you're dealing with a lot of high numbers when it comes to the FBS versus FCS. But I think out of the forty three. Uh, major games, I think only 13 of them were in single digits. So, I, I mean, um, you know, three fourths of the games uh, are sitting here uh, this week in double digits. So, not a lot of it's not an enticing slate when it comes to competitive football. Um, you know, what, what does that mean for me? What are my betting options? I can tell you uh, at the start of the summer, I was pretty chalk heavy just because I anticipated money to come in. Uh, left and right on a lot of these, you know, very public teams. So, you know, the, and I'll post this on my Twitter at bradpower Power Seven. Sorry for the the shameless promotion there, but you know, a lot, a lot of favorites. And I'll post my screen, the screenshot of the bets I made about two, three months ago, and you'll see a lot of big chalk and a lot of big line moves. I just, at this point, uh, with the exception being the Wisconsin-South Florida game, it, I'll probably talk myself into playing back some of these dogs that. Uh, you know, where the Lions move four or five points.
2: All right, so a couple of games I want to look at here for Friday, a little more in-depth. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to look at Rutgers and see them as a 15-and-a-half-point favorite against UMass. But UMass, new head coach, losing their quarterback, losing Andy Isabella, it does make sense to see a number that big. How about this big number one spot down on the board, though? Game 155-156, Rocky Mountain Showdown. Colorado State and Colorado. This is a, a situation where I think you've got, you know, probably sharp and public money coming in heavy on Colorado. Is this one where you'd advocate the thirteen and a half before we go to fourteen and, and possibly higher, or can you make a case mm. for the Rams? You know, my, it's past my number. I, I only got an eleven range,
1: but but I'm not going to sit here and make a strong case for Colorado State here, who's been outclassed in this rivalry. I had a lot of question marks. I mean, I don't know if I fully trust Mike Bobo. He's the Colorado State head coach. I mean, the last 19 games, he's fine, five and 14 against the number. Now, last year, dealing you know, with some health issues, and I mean, that can impact anybody in any career. So it would be interesting to see, you know, what it is. I mean, clearly, I think he comes into the season on the hot seat. But on the other side, I mean, I got question marks. Mel Tucker is the new Colorado coach, and you know, unique hire. I mean, obviously a lot of expertise at the NFL and major college level at Georgia the last couple of years in the defensive side, but, but a lot of Colorado's talents on the offensive side, starting with Lobiscus Chennault, the wide receiver, uh, who's a preseason All-American. Even though it's passed my number by a couple of points, I'm kind of a pass here. Here's where I did think there was some value early on in the marketplace. Now, I think Colorado, both teams in a rivalry game feeling each other out, and what I've seen in this rivalry, last 11 years the unders gone 10 and 1, and it's it's covered by nearly 10 points per game. I'm talking the under in Colorado, Colorado State, um, and that's where I thought there was some value, but but obviously the market's been all over this. Uh, this totals line is down. I mean, what more than a touchdown at this point? No bet for me on this one.
2: Yeah, I got this one 14. So at least it's moving towards my number. That makes me feel good about where I'm sitting with these two teams but I agree with everything you said and also the total here down nine and a half points from where it opened at pinnacle over the summer I want to tackle game 157 158 with you Purdue and Nevada my number is nine and a half on this game so kind of interesting to see this Purdue money again I don't think my power ratings are the most efficient out there by any means but Purdue is a pretty average team overall I think they're going out on the road to Reno Really strange spot, playing in altitude, something that they don't often do. And they've kind of been, I think, a little bit of a disappointment. Obviously, you give Jeff Brown a lot of credit for year one. Year two, you expected to see a leap. We didn't get it. Is this kind of a sign that maybe the market is looking for that leap this year from the Boilermakers? Ooh, I I mean, no,
1: I don't think so, because a lot of money's been on Purdue under their season win total. Uh, I, I guess last year I think a lot of people remember the Ohio State game but I mean keep in mind Purdue lost a bunch of close games early I mean they started the season 0 and 3 and I think it, they lost those three games by a combined like 8 points so they were a little bit better than their record indicated last year and I know those of you that are why what's the big deal with Jeff Brom? you know he's 13 and 13 at Purdue the last 2 years and, and in conference play he's 9 and 9 well in Big Ten play prior to Jeff Brom, in the previous four seasons combined, Purdue only won three Big Ten games, three in four seasons, and he's got them to, to being an average football team. So uh, I think they're an average team this year. I, I don't see a major upgrade. I don't see a major downgrade. I think they're right around that six, seven wins that they've been so far. That Outside of Rondell Moore. At wide receiver, the all-everything can do, you know, the return kicks and obviously the prolific pass catcher as well. I mean, that offense is relatively inexperienced, but the defense should be better. I know you're a big Nick Holt guy. Uh, They'll be much improved on this side of the ball. I didn't do a a significant upgrade-downgrade for Purdue this year. Uh, My line on this game is nine. I know it's unique travel situation but I mean with all the concerns about Nevada's quarterbacks you know injuries and it almost looks like by default they're going with Carson Strong at quarterback I got some major concerns on them I mean I certainly at the current number would lean Nevada but I'm not running to I think Purdue's more of the public side here I'm not going to run you know until game day unless the number continues to rise and go and bet the Wolfpack here.
2: I think I'm actually going to take Nevada in this spot. Again, my number is 9.5, so it's not like it's a significant overlay. I'm not crossing any big key numbers. I mean, I guess 10 kind of a key number. I think I saw an 11.5 yesterday. Wish I could have grabbed it, but traveling and all the other bullshit that you know goes along with coming back home. But this is a spot where Nevada plays that 3-3-5 defense, and I know that Purdue has had extra time to prepare for it. I do wonder how much they've prepared for it as opposed to looking at some of the other games that they have coming up. But Nevada finally has the personnel to run that, and it's such a different and unique kind of scheme that you do really have to tailor your recruiting style for a defense like that. It's year three of that defense. It was pretty good last year. I would expect more improvement this year. Also, it's capable of keeping Rondale Moore at least as boxed in as you possibly can. He'll still get his, but maybe he won't have those huge plays. So I actually kind of like this game a little bit, and I didn't to begin with. But as I wrote my preview over at bangthebook.com, I wound up making a case for Nevada. And I think this is kind of a learning point for all of our listeners out there that maybe you should start a personal blog and write some game previews for these things. Put your thoughts down on paper, organize them. Like I know, Brad, you do write ups on every game in your newsletter. And you know, maybe there are some games where you don't think that you have a play as you dig into it a little bit more and you organize those thoughts, you go, you know what, maybe I do kind of like this. So maybe that's a good tip for our listeners out there, too. Help them organize their thoughts, focus in on a game a little bit more. Nobody has to read it. You can write it for yourself, but maybe you find some winners that way.
1: Yeah, and I think also where that helps you is, you know, as the season progresses, you you actually can refer back to your notes and and your actual handicap on the game. And, And it doesn't matter if you necessarily get it right. Uh, on that time, sometimes you can find value going, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, looking that up, you know, how you, know, you can refer, it's an easy reference going back. So, uh, I mean, I learn by doing. I think people think I'm crazy because I write up every single game, but I, I know it certainly helps me out, to, to, you know, by diving in. Even if, if it's an extra 5, 10, 15 minutes uh, on each game each week, uh, I think it certainly helps you in the long run, specifically as the season progresses. If you don't find and dig in, and find a play for that specific week? A lot of times I do. You're exactly right. I mean, I bet it happens once or twice each week where I'll I'll dig in, do some extra legwork on a game, and and end up liking a a play that that, that I wasn't even thinking about prior. But I I think a lot of instances it helps me in the long run in in future weeks just by doing that legwork week after week on on all the teams.
2: All right, so let's go to Saturday here. Let's go to game 171-172, Toledo and Kentucky. Scratch the surface on this game a little bit on yesterday's show with Brian Leonard, but I do like the crowdsource opinions sometimes on some of these games. So Brad, I'll get your thoughts here as well, where Kentucky down from 13 to 11 and a half or 12 total up a field goal, 59 to 62 using the pinnacle openers over the summer here uh, in terms of the opening lines that were out there. Wasn't the first to market, but you know, the most efficient and probably the strongest numbers in the offshore marketplace. I try to do that for our listeners because, you know, there are only a handful of states here so far that do have legalized betting. Still, most people going the offshore route. In any event, long story short, Kentucky 11.5 or 12, total of 62 here. Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of the early money is coming on the dog here. Uh, I mean, the
1: expectation, Kentucky off their best season, 40-plus years, they're going to take a step back this season. I mean, to me, it makes sense. Uh, I mean, you're losing generational talent on both sides. Uh, starting with their all-time leading rusher and Benny Snell. Then you got a top-five draft pick uh, at defensive end and Josh Allen. Toledo's Toledo. I mean, I grew up, in, you know, right around Toledo. So, I mean, they've been one of the more consistent group of five programs since Gary Pinkle. Well, actually, you can take it back to Nick Saban, 1990. Pinkle was hired a year after in 91. But, I mean, they've been about as consistent as as it gets. So, they're right up there at the top of the MAC when it comes to power ratings. Uh, I, I think the win, uh, looking at their division this year, the fact they get Western Michigan and Northern Illinois at home, I think they're probably going to end up being better than what they were a year ago. You add in the fact that, you know, I tweeted this out, uh, you know, Kentucky in the favorite role, specifically at home, hasn't been a good look the last couple of years. They're 0-10, 0-10 against the spread their last 10 times they've been a home favorite. I understand the money, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Toledo, the slight lean though for Toledo, because I think a lot of this is getting baked in and pricing the the, the number here, because even though I'll, I'm relatively low on Kentucky this year and, and I'm relatively high on Toledo, I mean, my number's still 12 and a half, 13. So I, I, I just think even though it's, you know, against my number a little bit at this point, just a slight lean for me on Toledo.
2: It's an interesting spot too, because, you know, for Kentucky, as you mentioned, I mean, they've got some things to figure out here and, Toledo's consistency does stand out in the Mac. They've also lost some talent here over the last few years. And I mentioned this on yesterday's show, the further they get away from the Matt Campbell years, you do wonder if they can sustain that high bar that they've set, you know, with Jason Candle, who's done a good job so far, but you know, again, I mean, we'll kind of see how things play out a little bit. Should be a a fun little non-conference game though. One that I certainly don't advise anyone to overlook here on Saturday. Speaking of fun, non-conference games, 175, 176. Ole Miss and Memphis. Memphis down to a five-point favorite here. Total ticking down a little bit in the upper 60s over the summer. Now more in the mid 60s, the 66, 66 and a half range. This is a pretty fun little game. Yeah, to say the
1: least. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm really impressed with the market on the total. I I was expecting this line to come in the low 70s, considering what the the, the production was. From both teams last year, offensively and defensively, a, a really sharp total. Because I was going to be very unique and bet the under, uh, but but it, it certainly you know priced in the the fact that I think both teams will, be, will feature a little bit lower scoring games than what they did a year ago. Yeah, I mean usually generally speaking, whenever you see an SEC team catching points like this against a group of five, I mean my first gut instinct that give me the disrespected SEC underdog. But, but I think it's deserved. I, and when I say numbers here, I'm talking pure power rating. So, you know, with the, going back to Toledo real quick, even though, yeah, I, you know, I mentioned that my number was 12.5 or 13 on Kentucky, and I was leaning with Toledo, that was my pure power rating on the game was on Kentucky. Because of situationally, maybe because of some trends, maybe because of some matchups, I might actually go against sometimes my power rating. So I just want to throw that out there as we go along the season. But go, going back to this Memphis. Ole Miss game, number, I have five and a half, six is my pure power rating. But but like I just mentioned, when I got an SEC dog, uh, it, and it, I expect Ole Miss to, to have, you know, a lot of fans. I mean, it's only a little over an hour drive from Oxford to Memphis, so they'll be well represented. A lot of question marks, though, with two new coordinators, you know, two high-profile guys and former head coaches and Mike McIntyre and Rich Rodriguez. So there's some uncertainty uh, for for the Rebels this year, but I do like their, their new quarterback. Just a lean, though, on Ole Miss for me. I, again, these numbers have been bad into all summer, and I feel bad for not coming out too strong so far, but I just got to lean on the Rebels.
2: I mean, my number's eight for this game, so I am definitely oh, high, wow. and I am getting. I, well, I am getting six and seven. Here's the thing. I'm almost always high on Memphis. Annually, I like Memphis, and I think part of it is because – When you look at what they've done in the AAC, and you look at the AAC as an offensive conference, and you look at the offensive personnel that Memphis has had, it's hard not to like that team year in and year out. So I don't know if I'm too high on Memphis. I don't know if I'm maybe a little bit too low on Ole Miss. But this is one of those instances where, yeah, my number suggests take Memphis. You know, going through six and seven absolutely says to take Memphis. But for the reasons that you just mentioned, especially all the coordinator uncertainty, Memphis losing Daryl Henderson, you know, there's some different things going on here with this game. Also, Memphis's home field advantage is pretty high for me. I think it's three and a half. In this game, it's probably not a three and a half point home field advantage, as you mentioned, with the proximity of Old Miss to Memphis. So I didn't cut it down. I stayed with what my, you know, what my home field advantage value is. But taking all those factors into account, this is why you don't just want to play solely on power ratings unless you're grabbing numbers early on in the week. When you get to this handicapping process, which is really what almost all of week one is because the numbers are out so early, you start adding these little factors in against your power ratings. And if it keeps you off of a play, so be it. And then you see if your number was right, if, you know, where this closing line goes, stuff like that. So my number's higher, but I'm not going to play this game for that reason.
1: Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, that's, you know, almost 90% of what I do. When I'm betting early, it's just pure power rings. I just, I mean, let's face it, you don't have the time to dive into
2: specific matchup.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: So unless, I mean, it's those rare instances where, you know, I'll use an example last year after Purdue beat the Buckeyes. I think they were playing Michigan State the next week. I was like, I mean, I just, that I bet immediately and going against the, you know, situational spot of what I just saw. But, you know, generally speaking, early, early on in the betting week, It's all about betting numbers, you know, key numbers, betting off your power ratings. And then as you dive into the actual, you know, the handicap of the game, whether it be matchups, you know, more situational, maybe there's a key injury later on in the week. that's where sometimes I can talk myself into a play. I can talk myself out out of a play, you know, to get off a little bit off a game that I've already bet. But I think that's a very logical approach, and I couldn't have said it better myself when you're describing that.
2: All right, so we're going to game 181-182 here in Charlotte. Neutral site game, South Carolina, North Carolina. couple hours up I-77 for the people from Columbia. So South Carolina will be very well represented. Obviously, North Carolina will as well. A lot of, I'm sure, North Carolina alums work in Charlotte and all that. So there you know, should be a good atmosphere here for this one. But there's been a rocket strap to this line over the last few days. <laughs> yeah. South Carolina, up to as high as 12 at bookmaker. I mean, I'm, I'm blown away. I, I really, I thought the number was pretty good, not where it opened, really? but where it kind of settled and that, well, I have it nine and a half, but I mean, I double digits is a little high for me.
1: Yeah, I have it close to 11, so I'm not surprised. And, you know, I actually do three newsletters. So I have a Sunday night report and you know, one of my picks is South Carolina. I, I kind of expected the money to come in on the Gamecocks here Uh uh, I just – I didn't understand it throughout the course of the summer. And shame on me, I probably didn't get as much on it as I should have down on it. I mean, there was even some spots this summer where you could have gotten – so you could have laid seven. But even at the start of the week, it was seven and a half, eight. And, you know, this is one of the biggest line movers. You know, I'm s shocked by it now. <laughs> the value for the most part has gone. Uh, I think people, you know, and maybe they're falling victim to – you know, they see South Carolina's win total. And it's five and a half, six-ish, uh, depending on on where you're at in the market. And maybe they're thinking South Carolina is an average team. I have South Carolina easily in my top 25. I think this could be Will Muschamp's best team. They, definitely not when it comes to win-loss record. But personnel-wise, he likes his front seven. We'll see. I mean, I'm kind of iffy on Jake Bentley. But, but, I mean, where the advantage is, it's clearly quarterback experience. I think Bentley's going to make his 33rd career start here. Sam Howell, true freshman for North Carolina, making his first. So a huge difference there, and you know I I'm not opposed to the market fading Mac Brown. I mean, let's face it. I mean, he was kind of outdated at the end of his Texas tenure there, the last couple of years, and he's been out of coaching five years. Uh, I I'm totally fine with this line move, but at the current number, I don't have a I have a bet on the side.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm nine and a half, and and I could make a case for giving South Carolina a point of home field advantage, even though this game is in the state of North Carolina. The Gamecocks fan base travels really well, and, and I know that for a fact. My wife's from there. A lot of her friends do go to these games, and they, you know, it, it's it's one of those experiences that you know if you get a chance to go to any college football game, you certainly want to do it, but definitely one at Williams Bryce. I had a blast on uh, the two that I've been to. I know this is a neutral site game, but they'll travel very well. Uh, for this short trip. The one thing that I I will say about this game is this. I think if you like North Carolina, you have to ask yourself how many points they need to score to cover. Because as you just said, you you got the true freshman quarterback, South Carolina may have its best defense under Will Muschamp with more experience. It was what two, three years ago, they played the most freshmen on defense of anybody in the country. So this should be their best defense. And everybody loves the hire of Jay Bateman at North Carolina's defensive coordinator. So I think I like the under on the total a little bit here, yep. Sixty three and a half. and a half, and then that's the question. You know, do you want to lay double digits in a game you think will be lower scoring than the expectation? But again, like I said, how many points does North Carolina score is the question for me here.
1: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, and I'll pull behind the curtain. Probably one of my, I, I know North Carolina is going more up tempo and whatnot. I don't know. I mean, they've been kind of up tempo under Larry Fedora. We'll see how you know, productive they can be with a true freshman. But, you know, pull behind the curtain. One of my favorite totals, uh, uh, probably Saturdays, Now I like the under here, under 63 and a half. You, you, I, you know, Muschamp's been a little conservative. Uh, I like his defensive personnel. So I think the value's clearly gone laying double digits with South Carolina at this point. If you got to get involved in this game, I think the under's the way to go.
2: All right, game one eighty three, one eighty four here. We'll touch on Duke and Alabama quickly. I mean, the line's thirty two and a half, thirty-three. There, there's no secret what's probably going to happen here. Alabama gets out quick. Then it's a matter of do they step off the gas, do they keep going? You know, Duke doesn't have Daniel Jones anymore, so that's obviously a concern for them. Totals dropped like a rock for this game, too. Sixty two and a half down to as low as fifty six out there in the offshore market. And again, you know, you gotta look at this. How many points does Duke need to score to cover with the expectation of this game being lower scoring than we thought over the summer and Alabama laying over 30 points? So how are you breaking this one down? I'm
1: leaning Duke. I was already leaning Duke before the the suspensions. I was already leaning Duke before the injury to Dylan Moses. And I get it. Nick Saban is very good in these season openers. He's 11-1 against the numbers since he started at Alabama. Average covers by nine points per game. But I mean, this is the biggest point spread for him to cover in an opener since 2011. David Cutcliffe just doesn't get enough credit. I mean, you look at the last 36 times he's been in the underdog role, David Cutcliffe and the Blue Devils are 25-10, and there's one push in there. 25 and 10 in the underdog role, average covers by a touchdown a game, and I think even more remarkable, Duke's got a winning record in those games straight up, 19 and 17. So. They're in their preferred role. I mean, they're not, obviously they're not going to win the game. It would be one of the biggest upsets in college football history. But uh, I think, you know, leaning Duke here, uh, there's some value. And I think, look, I, I, Daniel Jones is getting a lot of publicity. Uh, I get it, you know, when you're at a school like Duke, you're not used to replacing first-round draft choices at quarterback. But, you know, keep an eye on Quentin Harris. He filled in for Daniel Jones last year, even in the Baylor game. And he did just fine, seven touchdowns, one interception last year and David Cutcliffe knows how to develop quarterbacks. So add it all up for me. I'm on the blue devils.
2: And and this is one of those, I mean, you talk about a guy like Quentin Harris. I mean, look, one of the things that can kind of trip teams up a little bit early on in the year quarterbacks that can improvise, you know, you get a pass rush going, he somehow gets away. Dudes get lost in coverage. You know, there's, you're still working on all of your instincts and everything else. So maybe Duke's offense a little bit more live than people would expect. A couple of other points to touch on here real quickly. My line's thirty-one, but I'm giving Alabama three points of home field advantage in Atlanta because
1: oh, it's really point. Bryant.
2: It's it's Bryant Denny East for them. I mean, they play here all the time. So Alabama gets some home field advantage for that. So my number on a neutral is twenty-eight. So, you know, maybe in that respect there's a little value relative to the market. But I want to throw this out there and, and see if you think it means absolutely anything. Because we try to look for these little narratives. We try to look for you know these little hidden nuggets that maybe can be the difference of us getting on a play, getting off a of play. Maybe it has some sort of emotional appeal. David Cutcliffe from Birmingham went to the University of Alabama. Seems to be one of the good guys in college football. I think a lot of coaches greatly respect what he's done. I know we kind of think of Nick Saban as a killer, but is, is this a guy that... You know, maybe Cutcliffe kind of hits a soft spot, and and Alabama just doesn't Ooh, pull up good on them. Point.
1: Yeah, I mean that that definitely came into my thought process. I mean, Nick Saban's not the the type of guy that, that that's really one to run it up on anybody. Now, last year he finally had an offense that was capable of it, but uh, yeah, I, I uh, he's not going to go out there and try to embarrass David Cutcliffe. And you know, also keep in mind Alabama doesn't have the same backup quarterback situation as they've had the last couple of years. I mean, it's not Tua and and Jalen Hurts, no more Jalen Hurts. So, I I mean, they'll get less competent play out of their backup than what they've had the last couple of years. So to me, that's another negative. If you want to lay this huge number with the Crimson Tide.
2: That's true. I mean, Tua's going to play the first half, right? I mean, unless this game is close, he's not playing in the second half. I I can't see it. I, I bet he plays in the second half. I think it's going to
1: be more competitive than than people realize. I mean, we'll see, but I think he's playing in the second half. I mean, four of Alabama's best players are out in the first half. I'm not saying Duke's got any snowball chance in hell of winning the game, but I think there's a very good possibility it could be relatively close, like a 10-14, you know, 14-point type of game at halftime.
2: All right, so let's move down one spot on the board here, game 185-186. This one's interesting, and it's kind of getting some interesting line movement now, too. Northwestern and Stanford. We've seen some minus sixes out there. Pinnacle, one of them. Matchbook, one of them. couple of the sharper offshores showing some money on Northwestern here. Total coming down 47.5, so maybe some correlation in that regard. But this is a tricky little game, and, and I know that these are – you know, two major power conference teams that you kind of sat in the middle a little bit here over the last couple of years. Northwestern did play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship last year. We know that Stanford had some good seasons in them. But these are two kind of overlooked power five conference teams, I think, in some regards. This is a game not getting much buzz that I think should. I agree. And
1: it's a unique handicap because I'll be perfectly frank. I'm not a fan of either team really this year. Uh, and my number, even though I'm kind of lower on both teams, I, I mean, I have Stanford 7.5, but I certainly don't want to lay it, and here's why. So my pure power rating, Stanford 7.5. You look at Northwestern in their preferred underdog role, especially on the road. So bigger sample size since since 2008, road underdog Northwesterns 27 and 9 against the spread. You isolate that to the last 10 times the Wildcats have been in the underdog ro- uh, role on the road, 10-0. and 0, against the the spread they've won eight of those games outright in the road underdog role average cover more than 14 points per game that alone to me because i certainly don't want to lay it here uh with the cardinal i i I would lean on the wildcats here
2: well some good numbers there to be sure and i don't know maybe that's kind of having a little bit of an impact out there uh, in the market i'll be curious to see what happens in this game because i'm not real high on stanford i'm not real high on david shaw overall um, not real oh. high Northwestern for this year either. So, you know, like you said, th- these are two, I'm not going to call them fade teams. I'm not going to actively look to play against them, especially, you know, Northwestern team. that does play so well in that dog role, but neither team is a team I'm all that high on. So I want to see how this game plays out and see if maybe I can get some future information on these two teams. Now, some news that broke here this morning, game 191, 192, Boise State and Florida State will now be played in Tallahassee instead of Jacksonville, because of the impending <laughs> Hurricane Dorian. So, oh, my God. This is going to be – I mean, all the numbers that were out there over the summer. You know, I, <laughs> What's going to happen with those Game of the Year tickets? I mean, the, the venue change means they get wiped Not out, avoided, right? Man. It's got to be the venue, yeah. same venue.
1: So, I mean, I had yeah. my biggest bets of the year on Florida State. So, I mean, that was a vacation gone. So, oh, well. <laughs>
2: Like you take vacations? give me that shit. Yeah,
1: I don't. But I mean, it's just it's accumulating. The wealth's accumulating. So, I mean, of course. I mean, I would love to see him still pay it out like a Florida State three and a half ticket that I have. But uh yeah, I mean, I, I gotta think those tickets are voided. You got to play in the same venue. So yeah, uh, they're
2: actually they're mentioning it on Twitter now. Superbook says it's a refund. Circus says because it's more than one hundred miles from the originally scheduled location. It's a refund. So, yeah, house rules are probably going to refund all of these. So my, my condolences for your uh, for your fantasy vacation. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah. It was like So, my top so what about the used. handicap now? So. I mean, the handicap doesn't I, change at all to me.
1: It, yeah, just, it, it doesn't. I mean, but the number does, and it'll be interesting. Right. I thought some of the mispricing was that they weren't giving Florida State enough credit for, you know, to – Home field. I mean, the take- If you look at ticket sales, it was more than ten to one. Florida State. I mean, Boise State only requested like twenty-five hundred tickets, and it's not like Florida State's ticket sales were great. Uh, but but I mean, they they were approaching, and this was a couple weeks ago, like thirty-five thousand. And actually, this is like three or three weeks ago. So I mean, thirty-five thousand less than three, and, and I'm sure now it would even be more pronounced. I mean, as long as they're not laying north seven and a half. Uh, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I still like Florida State, but I'd be a lot less inclined to, to lay with this Knowles team, you know, seven and a half, eight points. If that's going to be the adjustment, if they're going to make like a three-point three, three point adjustment or so here, uh, I'm just not interested at that point.
2: Yeah, I mean, my Florida State home field number is three. I gave them two and a half in Jacksonville. You know, I mean, they're, they're going to have a huge crowd edge, but also the big factor in this game is is the heat and humidity for Boise State that yeah. they're certainly not going to be accustomed to. And obviously here, check the wind forecast too, because I know this storm is expected to hit the east coast of Florida, but I imagine it could be a little bit windy there in Tallahassee as well. And look, this goes without saying too, I mean, we've had some hurricanes wipe out some games. There's been some destruction. There's been you know, alterations to season wind totals because of hurricanes. Y- You've got to factor these things into the equation for the handicap. And you know, obviously our th- th- thoughts, first and foremost, with the people in the path of the storm, but you know this, this is a betting show, so we've got to talk about this, wind, yeah. rain, miserable conditions, travel headaches, people don't talk about that either. You know, sometimes these teams have to completely change their travel plans, fly out a day earlier, all this type of stuff. This is going to be a thing for the next six or so weeks in college football, maybe more, depending on the weather forecasts and patterns. So you've got to keep this in mind. And also, if you know a storm is coming, the under is going to move in the blink of an eye. So, yeah. hop in the market and then figure it out after that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I
2: mean, I go back to – I think this was the
1: weekend that Notre Dame played Clemson in that slop uh, that, that you know, this is 2015. And if you just blindly bet the under – and this was even on game day – blindly bet the under in, in all the games played in like a 3-4 state a region, whether it's South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia – you were like 14 and over the under. So yeah, I, I mean, if there's any kind of weather concerns, go ahead and get out of the market. And like you said, get figured out later, uh, go ahead and feel free to bet the under. But, uh, and again, I want to put this out here cause I, I, I was, you know, bitching about a vacation. I, obviously, you know, me bitching about losing a possible bet, uh, you know, nothing compares to, to what you know could happen there. So thoughts and prayers. I mean, I have a grandma that still lives in Daytona beach area. So, uh, which isn't too far. So, uh, yeah, t- obviously that comes first and foremost. But as, as a betting show, uh, of course, I'm going to complain about maybe a, a possible loss ticket that, that I can't cash.
2: Well, uh, another tough situation here, game 193-194, SMU, Arkansas State. Arkansas State down to two and a half at some places, three at others. This is a game that's kind of drawn some attention in the betting market over the last few days here. Certainly a very tough spot for Arkansas State. Uh, Wendy Anderson, the wife of head coach Blake Anderson, Um, you know, passing away from her long battle with cancer last week. And, you know, certainly uh, thoughts with the Arkansas state football family there. It makes for a hard handicap, Brad, because, you know, you you don't really know how Arkansas state's going to come out. Obviously they have a a rallying point for both their head coach. Uh, You know, it seems like Wendy was a beloved figure with that football team as well. On the other hand, kind of tough to focus on football with an SMU team that I actually kind of like a little bit this year. So how are you breaking that game down?
1: Yeah, Eileen, SMU. I mean, it is a tough place to win. Arkansas State's got one of the better home field advantages, group of five level. I mean, they're 39-8 and eight the last eight years. But no Justice Hansen. I mean, he's the, the second in school history in career pass yards. You're right about the Blake Anderson. That's a distraction. Although, I mean, I turn around and say, hey, they'll play – the team will play with a heavy heart and try to, you know, win one for the Gipper type of thing here. So we'll see how that impacts it. But him being away certainly doesn't help from a game plan aspect. I mean, SMU played a really tough schedule this year. I like the transfer, uh, the Texas transfer, Shane Buchel, uh Ben Hicks has gone off to Arkansas. But add it all up, slight lean on SMU. But here's another one where, man, I, I kind of like the over here. Uh, I know new quarterback on both sides. But, I mean, just from what I've seen both teams here in the last, several years Uh, i think it's kind of a a cheap total here Uh, i'm gonna go ahead and lean over the total here 56
2: all right so let's move to game 207 208 and this is a huge game for a variety of different reasons it's big for the perceptions of both of these teams it's big for the nfl draft it's big for the national championship picture oregon and auburn auburn up to three and a half some straight fours popping out there as well now is this the way that this line should be moving Ooh, uh, no,
1: I, I I thought three was a really solid number. Three and a half, I'd lean Oregon. Although I'm a little gun shy because last year, a Pac-12 team against Auburn, I was, I was on the Huskies. I mean, you could, you know, treat it a couple different ways. I mean, Washington had their chances to win the game, but also there was kind of a shell shock early in the game. I mean, they just weren't ready for the SEC speed, and that's a really good X's and O's coach. Obviously, and Chris Peterson, who I'd rather have than, Mario Crystal Ball, but uh, lean Oregon at the at the current three and a half. Although to me that seems square, it's almost like they're begging for you to take the Ducks there, and, and that would worry me. Also worries me with regards to Oregon. I mean, they haven't been really good away from home in the last three years or four and twelve straight up. Uh, but significant edge experience, like the North Carolina South Carolina game, a significant edge in quarterback experience. I mean, you got a guy in Justin Herbert making his 29th career start against a a true freshman in Bo Nix, who I really like. And I think he's going to have a fabulous career down there on the Plains. He's making his first career start. So you add that factor in, uh, I'll take Oregon plus the three and a half. But again, just a lean for me.
2: And this one's intriguing for a lot of different reasons. I mean, you know, Gus Malzahn takes over plays for Auburn in the bowl game and, and they just yep. trucked Purdue in the Music City Bowl. <laughs> yeah, they did. So, I mean, you know, that that may not be a bad thing for them here going into this year. And then also Oregon, No Jim Leavitt anymore. It's Andy Avalos who comes over from Boise State. I mean, Leavitt took a shit show of a defense and turned them into a very strong unit. Will they be able to continue that here against an SEC speed offense like Auburn? This is a great game. I don't know if it's a great game for a betting standpoint, but it's a great game overall for college football. And again, as I mentioned, I mean, this is a game that, this is a resume game for the college football playoff. I don't know how Oregon winds up doing in the Pac-12 North. I don't know how Auburn does in in the SEC West, but it's a game that could impact the teams around them too. So this is a huge week one matchup for sure.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I hate to put a a whole conference on hold, but I mean, this is a big week for the Pac-12, especially after last week wasn't a good first look with an Arizona team, Arizona team going down on the island. Uh, I think all, all these games, uh, this BYU-Utah game tonight's big. You, obviously, UCLA-Cincinnati's big. And, uh, I mean, if there's not a good look, I mean, it's going to be an uphill climb for this Pac-12 conference to get a team in the playoff. And, and certainly, you know, if Oregon loses and doesn't look good doing, doing so, uh, that's going to, you know, obviously have a negative impact on everybody else. But, you know, one more matchup that I really like here. And we'll see. I mean, Oregon's offensive line is getting a lot of pub. I mean, they're the most experienced offensive line in college football in eight years. But that offensive line has a couple of legit grown-ass men at the line of scrimmage led by Derek Brown. We'll see how that Pac-12 team holds up at the line of scrimmage because I certainly have my doubts seeing what I've seen from Pac-12 teams last couple years in non-conference play, specifically against the better conferences.
2: And that could be, you know, part and parcel with the, with the line move here because, you know, a lot of sharp players do tend to focus on the trenches and maybe they figure yep. Auburn does have a little bit of an advantage here uh, in this particular matchup. And, you know, one other game of the Pac-12 team, and I did mention that on Monday with Kyle Hunter as well, that, you know, perception of the Pac-12 definitely on the line here in week one. And, and maybe we get some line value betting yep. on the Pac-12 uh, if they have a bad week one here. But this Fresno State-USC game, USC 13.5 point favorite, Fresno state loses quarterback, offensive coordinator, top wide receiver. Uh, they're, you know, they have a, a little bit of a timeshare at running back, uh, with, um, Mims and, uh, and rivers Mims out for the year now. So you know, they kind of lose that a little bit. Rivers is only a five foot eight guy. He's not a bell cow run at 300 times this season, kind of back. So Fresno state's up against it a little bit here, but man, you want to talk about teams that squander talent. No one's done it better than USC here of late.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think 247 does a really good job. They do, like, you know, team talent. And uh, they'll take into consideration that they go through every single, like, uh, fall roster and they look at, you know, what were these you know, the composite recruiting rankings of these players on their roster. I think he's, like, in the top five for this year. So, I mean, obviously they squandered a lot. But I got involved quite heavily, uh, about as much as I did with Florida State on USC early when this line was 9.5, 10. So, a lot of big bets early. Now, at the current line, I certainly think there's some value lost, but, I mean, to me, this was all about buying low and selling high. I mean, the buy low was SC off their their first losing season in two decades. And, I mean, they went youth movement last year with the true freshman quarterback and JT Daniels and a lot of young, very talented wide receivers. All those guys are back, and I like the new offense coordinator hire, Graham Harrell. I, I get he's kind of a poor man's Cliff Kingsbury, but, uh, they'll be much improved on that side of the ball, so that's the buy low. I'm buying the FC at low, and then for me, the, the the sell high part is Fresno State off their you know most wins in school history. I love Jeff Tefford. He's done about as good a job as anybody in the country the last two years. Doesn't get the credit for it, but uh, I mean, when you're off 12 wins and you're the least experienced team, one of the least experienced teams in the country, the the last uh, you know coming into this season, I'm um, selling high on the Bulldogs. Add it all up right now. I lean FC. After, you know, I got it in front of a three, four point line move here, but I think that's the way to go. All
2: right. A couple more games I want to tackle here uh, real quickly, Houston and Oklahoma. We got some Sunday night college football here before the NFL gets underway, Oklahoma down to a 23 point favorite here. Total 79, 79 and a half for this one. Very familiar foe in Dana Holgerson for the Houston Cougars, but with some different personnel here. And he certainly has a good quarterback in De'eric King. So, You agree with this line move?
1: I don't. I mean, I have Oklahoma paraded, you know, closer to the line being twenty-seven. So I, I, again, you know, disagree here. Uh, I'm not a big Dana Holgerson fan. I'm just not. I mean, if you take out his first season at West Virginia, that was the season where they they famously crushed Clemson in the Orange Bowl. Take that out. He's like under forty percent against the spread in his last seven years as a head coach. If you're just blindly betting against Dana Holgerson, you've hit like 60%. (laughs) So I I think he's overrated. Uh, And and I don't think, you know, a lot of West Virginia people are really bummed out. Uh, I mean, this was going to be, you know, a tough season regardless for West Virginia, but I think in the long run they've upgraded. So I'm negative on Dana Holgerson. Love De'Ara King. I mean, 50 total touchdowns for a guy that missed a couple games last year. That's great. But uh, I think Oklahoma's defense is going to be improved. I like Alex Grinch. I know he didn't have a great year at Ohio State last year. But th- that was – there was too many moving parts there. Uh, Shiano was going to, you know, take a, the Tennessee job or whatever a couple years ago. So, Prince was going to be the sole guy, and then he's the co-DC. So, I'll give him a pass for that. But he does have experience, you know, coaching with an up-tempo offense. I mean, he did a really good job with Mike Leach uh, at Washington State. And, and keep in mind, where did Lincoln Riley cut his, you know, coaching career? Where did Where did he, where did he cut his teeth? He started at Texas Tech under Mike Leach. So I think there'll be some great synergy there between Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley and and watching Jalen Hurts in in the spring, he already looked like an improved passer. So for me, add it all up, I'd lean Oklahoma. And obviously one of the bigger news is the total. It's the highest week one total in college football history involving two FBS teams. And if you're just blindly betting the over on any game that's lined 80 or above in college football history, you're 61% to the over. So Uh, And be very careful. Uh, You know, I know a lot of people like to play against big uh,
2: outliers. Be careful betting the under there. One more game I want to talk on a little bit in depth, and then one more game I want to ask about just for novelty purposes because I think it's kind of funny. But Notre Dame and Louisville, Notre Dame 18, 18 18-and-a-half point favorite here, total down into the mid-50s for this one. You're fighting Irish, uh, you know, a team that you grew up being a big fan of. Not really getting as much respect as you might think here in Scott Satterfield's Louisville debut. Yeah, and uh, you know I gave out Louisville
1: uh, in my newsletter. Uh, yeah, you know the other day, uh, I gave out Louisville plus 20, so I'm not surprised by any stretch on that one. So uh, here's what I see. Uh, I mean Notre Dame's in one of their biggest away favorite roles in the last two decades. That's a negative in my opinion. I, I like Scott Satterfield. And I think Louisville's power is a little messed up because, quite frankly, they just quit on Bobby Petrino last year. I mean, if you wonder why they took such a big dip, it wasn't necessarily a dearth of talent. It was they just flat out quit on, on both their head coach and specifically on their defensive coordinator, Brian Van Gorder, uh, who obviously Notre Dame fans are familiar with, with being a disaster. Uh, it was fired from Notre Dame a couple years ago in their 4-8 you know, and eight season. But Louisville's switching more run games, so if I got a big dog, I'm working the clock. I think Notre Dame's big weakness on defense is up the gut, up the middle, where they lost three of their best players. Their two linebackers, Drew Tranquil and Tavon Coney, and obviously Jerry, Tiller, De- Jerry Tillery at defensive tackle. So that's a negative. And, you know, I'm Ian Book's back at quarterback, but, you know, Notre Dame's biggest playmakers, uh, specifically Dexter Williams, their running back, gone, and they lost their number three and number four receivers so far in fall camp. Add it all up for me, I'm on Louisville. And uh, good to see the market agrees with me.
2: All right. One last thing I want to touch on here. I don't want to keep it too long. I know you got a lot of stuff going on here. Game 221 two twenty two tonight on Thursday night, an FCS versus FBS game. It is Wagner and UConn. And, of course, you know why I'm asking about this game. Because last year UConn gave up 8.8 yards per play. <laughs> it was arguably the worst defense ever in college football history they're an eighteen and a half point favorite tonight. However, in their last three games against FCS teams, beat Rhode Island by seven, Holy Cross by seven, and Maine by three. Is there any chance yeah. in hell that you'd want to lay eighteen and a half with UConn tonight? Yeah, I I don't and I won't. <laughs> Even though it's
1: you know, believe it or not, it's kinda of close to my power rating, so I haven't, you know, lined up and, and uh, you know, with a truckload of money on, on Wagner here. But, uh, yeah, I, you can't bet UConn. In fact, you can't bet them in, in the favorite role. I, I think I got them one and nine their last ten games as a favorite. And I'll, I'll try to go back here further and, and see, I have three and 18 uh, as a favorite their last 21. <laughs> I'll try to keep going back as we're doing this spot here as I'm querying this. But, yeah, they're one of the worst teams in the country. Uh, if, if you go back to after that Fiesta Bowl season, I think it was, what, 2010-ish, 2009, I mean, they're one of the worst teams overall against the spread,
2: but specifically in the favorite role. Do you have any double-digit FCS over FBS upsets that you are kind of on your radar here for week one? Ooh. Uh, I don't, actually. Uh, I mean,
1: maybe this is scary for me that, that I, you know, i I'm, I'm kind of got a lot, and, you know, most of them have been favorites that I've been kind of looking at. I don't, but that doesn't mean that there won't be one. I can tell you, I, I mean, again, people don't want to hear about what I bet early, but, I mean, I'll, I'll say it just because it inflates my ego. Um, Central Michigan, six and a half. That number was wrong. I'll get one, and, and we'll blow it out of the water here. Let's move this line here, live on Bang the Book. One that I, I just bet, uh, San Diego State only laying seven and a half against Weaver State. I get it, Weaver State's a really good defense, and that's going to be a low total, but I think San Diego State's got a a little bit of a chip on their shoulder this year. I think that line's off. That should be double digits. So San Diego State is my favorite FCS game that's still left on the board.
2: Well, and of course, a lot of offshores don't even have these games as of yet. I think Five Dimes is the only one that does. So that'll definitely be worth uh, keeping an eye on here as we get closer and kick off on these games. Brad Powers, professional handicapper over at bradpowerssports.com. Brad, tell us about the best value in the business, man.
1: Yeah, so it's called the Powers Picks Newsletter. Uh, and what it is is, I mean, everything we've gone over, almost all the information I've just uh, talked about here for the last hour plus has been is in this issue of the newsletter, and I do a game write-up on every single college football game. I do a game write-up on every single NFL game each and every week throughout the course of the season, and it covers you all the way through the Super Bowl. You get it emailed to you weekly. Routinely comes out at noon Eastern every Wednesday with all this information, and in addition to the write-ups, you get top trends. You get computer-projected you know, lines, my power ratings, injury reports, and whatnot. So uh, the price for this, and this isn't one week, it's not one month, it's not one sport, but it's 79 bucks for the entire season all the way through the Super Bowl. 79 bucks is your price. You just want to go to bradpowersports.com.
2: Make sure you follow Brad on Twitter as well, at Brad Powers and the number seven. Brad, I always appreciate it, man. You always hook me up and help me out. So thank you so much for doing the full hour here today. Really appreciate it. Good luck this weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week.
1: All right, sounds good. Take care, my friend.